The following sermon, entitled Redeeming the Time, was preached on the evening of September 25th, 2022, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Our scripture reading tonight is taken from Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we will read the first 21 verses. And the text for this evening's sermon is verses 15 through 17. Ephesians chapter 5. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become as saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Thus far we read God's Word. The text for this evening's sermon is verses 15-17. through 17. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The clear testimony of Scripture is that our God is eternal and we are finite, time-bound creatures. God alone is eternal. He is the one who has no beginning and no ending. 
He is the changeless One who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And He is really outside of time as the One who created time so that for our God, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a single day. He is the everlasting and eternal God. In contrast, we are finite creatures of the dust. We are time-bound in that there was a certain point in time in which we were born, and there will be a certain point in time at which we die. We are subject to time. And we only have so much of it in this life. It's in light of those truths about God and about ourselves that the question becomes, how then will we use our time? If we only have so much, are we going to use it in a wasteful manner? Are we going to squander it by living a life of sin? Are we going to fritter away our time through mindless entertainment? Or will we heed the calling of this passage to redeem the time? That is indeed God's Word that comes to us in this passage. In verse 16, it calls for the redeeming the time. Making the most of our time. And that's the Spirit's instruction for us tonight. This is a part of the application that's found in this book of Ephesians, especially in the second half, as it teaches us how we are to live as Christians as those who are thankful for our salvation. The Spirit has taught us many things, has addressed many different facets and aspects of the life of the child of God. And now here in this passage, it teaches us about how we are to use our time. And the calling is to redeem our time so that rather than using it for ourselves, we Seek to use all of our time to do the will of our God. And that's the calling that we want to look at this evening as we consider this passage using as our theme very simply, redeeming the time. First, we'll look at the meaning. What does it mean to redeem the time? Second, we'll look at the calling. That is, we'll see how this applies to different areas of life. And then finally, we'll look at the strength whereby we are enabled to Make a small beginning in this. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17, the unique and specific instruction of the text is the calling to redeem the time. And I say that even though that phrase, redeeming the time, is not actually the main sentence from a grammatical point of view. From a grammatical point of view, the main sentence is that we walk circumspectly or that we be not fools but as wise. But with those other parts of the verse, while 
they are important. Of themselves, they're quite general. Of themselves, they don't give us specific direction, but speak to our lives from a broad point of view. And it's the phrase, redeeming the time, that helps us to understand what exactly is in view with those other parts of the text. That is, the other parts of the text give us the the general truth. And it's the phrase, redeeming the time, that gives us the concrete substance of the text. That's true with the phrase at the beginning of the verse. The verse begins, See then that ye walk circumspectly. The passage speaks of walking circumspectly. The idea there is not that we be wary or that we be cautious at ever taking any risk. That's what we often think when we hear the word circumspect. But instead, the idea of the Greek word that's translated as circumspectly is that we be diligent in conforming to a certain standard. As Christians, we recognize very clearly what that standard is. It's the law of our God. So that to walk circumspectly is to conform our lives to God's Word and to His commandments. Only the emphasis here is not so much on the obedience itself, but the idea of walking circumspectly is that we exercise great care and attention in walking in that manner. So that the idea of walking circumspectly is that we are to be deliberate and very intentional in living the Christian life. This is addressing the temptation to just sort of go through the motions without ever thinking about what we're doing as Christians, but to instead step back and analyze our lives. Am I truly living according to God's standard for my life? So that included in this idea of walking circumspectly would be the whole idea of examining ourselves. Stepping back, looking at our lives in the light of God's Word to see in which ways we've deviated from God's Word and His law so that we can make corrections accordingly. Walk circumspectly. That is, be diligent, careful in living the Christian life. That's a part of the instruction of the text. But by itself, that application is quite broad. It applies to every aspect of the Christian life so that when we read that phrase, walk circumspectly, we're left wondering, do you have something specific in mind? Can you tell us a little bit more concretely what you're getting at here, Paul? And that applies also to the other main part of the passage from a grammatical point of view, the calling that we be Wise rather than fools. That's found in verse in verses 15 and 17. The second half of verse 15. Not as fools, but as wise. And then the Spirit through Paul repeats that in verse 17. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what is the will of God. So that both of these verses are making a contrast between that which is foolish and that which is wise. Between having an understanding and being unwise. 
us. It reminds us of the book of Proverbs. And all the instruction we receive there is it consistently makes that same contrast between the way of wisdom and the way of foolishness. This passage likewise warns us against folly. That is, warns against lacking understanding concerning the truths of God's Word. But more than that, it's warning against folly in the sense of having knowledge, but for whatever reason, failing or refusing to apply that knowledge, to live according to what we know from God's Word. Do not be fools, but instead be wise. Wisdom being the application of biblical principles to the different situations and circumstances of life. Included in wisdom is having knowledge and understanding. Knowing what God's Word tells us. But wisdom is more than that. And that it includes taking that knowledge, taking that understanding, and applying it to whatever situation we find ourselves in. And that too is a part of the calling of the passage. But again, by itself, that's very broad. We could make many different applications regarding wisdom and folly. The book of Proverbs gives us an abundance of examples. But here in this passage, the, the exhortation to be not a, to walk not as fools, but as wise leaves us with that same question. Do you have something more specific in mind? Can you give me some concrete direction? And that's exactly what Paul does when in the middle of the text that we are considering tonight, he calls us to redeem the time. Here, he's guiding us. He's telling what he means when he says, walk circumspectly, that is, be diligent and careful, intentional and deliberate as Christians. When he adds the words redeeming the time, he's saying, do all of that with respect to how you use your time. And the same applies to Living a life of wisdom instead of folly. In what sense do you mean? Well, with respect to your use of time, don't be a fool in how you use your time, but be wise in your use of time. Redeem the time. That is the unique and specific instruction of this passage. But now, what does that mean? Put it very simply, redeeming the time means making the most of our time. Using it the best way possible. That's the sense of that phrase. In our Bibles, we read we're called to redeem the time. And that translation is a good translation because the word that's used here, redeem, is the same word that's used with elsewhere with reference to our Salvation and our redemption in Jesus Christ is talking about liberating something by means of a purchase, by paying some ransom. Only here it's being applied to time. And the idea is that we are to buy up the time, make the most of the time that we have. As one expert in the study of the Greek language put it, Quote, the meaning seems to be to make a wise and sacred use of every opportunity for doing good so that zeal and well-doing are, as it were, the purchase money 
by which we make the time our own. End quote. Redeem the time. The time. And that word by itself is significant. The word time here is not the general word for time, but it's a more specific word in the Greek language that refers to a, a set period of time, some appointed time. So that in view here, it's not just time from a general point of view, but it's talking about different seasons of life. Different blocks of time. An occasion. An opportunity. And it's saying, make the most of each and every single one of those. Redeem the time. And what an important word that is for the church. This is an urgent word that we need to hear as believers. And the urgency, the importance of this comes out in the passage itself. Paul explains the reason why he says that in verse 16. Redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. That's the reason for this exhortation. That's the urgency that stands behind it. The days are evil. That is, the period in time in which we live is a period characterized by sin and wickedness so that immorality abounds in the world around us. That was true already in Paul's day. Paul lived in evil days and really we see that in what he's already said in this letter to the church at Ephesus. It's clear from the epistle itself that Paul was living in evil days. The days were evil because there were many false teachers in that day. That's chapter 4, verse 14, which speaks of the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. There were false teachers. The days were evil because of the wicked walk of the Gentiles. That's verses 17 and following. The end of verse 17, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. The days were evil. The days were evil because of the types of sin that were so prevalent around them. Sins mentioned in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 5. Fornication, all uncleanness, covetousness. Verse 4, filthiness, foolish talking, jesting. Paul warns against these things because they were so prevalent. The days were evil. They were so evil that there were some things that were so, that were done that were so shameful that it would be shameful even to speak of them. I should say they were so wicked that it would be shameful to speak of them. That's verse. 12 of chapter 5, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Paul was living in evil days. And we see that even further when we remember the history of his missionary work in the city of Ephesus. In Acts chapter 9, we're given a glimpse into the 
the idolatry, the superstition that abounded in the city of Ephesus. The days were evil. The days were evil on account of the hostility towards the Christian faith. For though the uproar that Demetrius stirred up was dispelled, almost certainly that hostility was still there. It's not as though Demetrius and the others are sent away and then all of a sudden they adopt a friendly attitude towards the church. What is far more likely is that hatred for the church continued, only it was expressed in less overt ways. The days were evil and that makes this an urgent made this an urgent word in Paul's day. Redeem the time because the days are evil. And does that not characterize the days in which we live? In our day there are false teachers who use cunning craftiness to deceive men. In our day, there is a willful ignorance and blindness concerning spiritual matters and a corresponding walk of giving oneself over to the pursuit of sin. In our day, we see the wickedness of fornication and uncleanness, filthiness, and foolish talking. In our day, there is such wickedness that it's shameful even to speak about it, to to mention it by name. In our day, there is idolatry and hostility towards Christianity. The days are evil, so much so that we are tempted to say as bad as it must have been in Ephesus, surely it's even worse in our day. And that truth makes this word urgent. It makes it important. That's the connection. Redeem the time because the days are evil. For this very reason. And the connection between the calling redeem the time and the explanation that's given, the urgency is twofold really. On the one hand, this is urgent because this means it's all the more important to let our light so shine before men and thereby expose the darkness around us. We say that in light of the connection between this passage and the immediately preceding context here in the book of Ephesians. In the previous sermon, we considered the calling to walk as children of the light. And included In that was the calling to reprove, to expose the darkness. That was verses 12 and 14. Rather, verse 11. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Expose it. Verse 13. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. That is, by our word and by our walk. We're to live in such a way that there's a clear contrast between Walking in the light and walking in the darkness and the the light of our lives is meant to expose the darkness for what it is. And that same idea is still in view when the Apostle Paul says what he does. Redeem the time 
because the days are evil. The darkness is so great, it's so black out there, that it's all the more important that we walk as children of the light and do so with respect to our time. Because if we misuse our time, if we squander our time, we're missing opportunities to witness to others. To let our light shine before men. And really, it's worse than that. Because when we fail to walk circumspectly, when we walk as fools, we give the world occasion to blaspheme our God. We're to walk in wisdom. To walk circumspectly. Redeem the time so that we might be a faithful witness. So that we might reprove, expose the works of darkness for what they are. That's part of the connection. Part of the urgency being expressed here. The other part of it is that given the darkness, the evil of the day, that means the temptations for us are even greater. Redeem the time because the days are evil. And they're evil in the sense that there are stumbling blocks at every corner. There's no end to the different ways that we can waste and squander our time. There's temptations all around us. And that makes this word urgent. That makes this word important for the church. Walk circumspectly and wisely. Redeem the time. That is, we must be hypervigilant as Christians. We must exercise the, the greatest possible care with regard to how we use our time. Exactly because the days are so evil. Now because this is such an urgent word, we must hear this calling loud and clear tonight. We must see how this Word applies to us in, our, in each and every aspect of our life. And that's what we want to do, especially in the second point of this sermon. When we take this passage, now that we understand the meaning, and we bring it to bear upon our lives and look at the calling that comes to each one of us. And that calling, from a negative point of view, is that we must not waste our time. That's been implied throughout the sermon. Now we make it explicit. We must not waste our time. And that means we must not waste our time with things that are obviously sinful. For you see, the worst possible way to use our time is by using it in the service of sin. By walking in sin. By doing things that we know full well are wrong. That they do not conform to that standard of God's law. For you see, every hour, every minute, really every second that we're walking in sin is time wasted. It's squandered. It was misused. And thus the calling to Redeem the time means not wasting it in that 
in the pursuit of sin. And we could give many specific examples here, but one that needs to be brought up even though I in no way want to bring it up is the sin of pornography. If we watch pornography, if we look at inappropriate images, not only are we sinning against the Seventh Commandment, we are, but we're also sinning against the Eighth. Because God calls us to be stewards of everything that He gives us. And one of the things that He has given us is our time. And when we take that time and when we throw it away, when we use it to set before our eyes that which is filthy and inappropriate, well, then we're breaking not just the seventh commandment, but the eighth commandment as well. Do not waste your time with that which is obviously sinful. It's a part of the negative calling. But now that negative calling also includes not wasting our time with the entertainment of our day. We said the days are evil. We said there are so many temptations for us and one of them is to squander our time in front of the screen whether it's our phone, whether it's our tablet, whether it's our computer, whether it's our television. It's so easy to spend minute after minute, hour after hour, whether it's looking up stuff on our phones, whether it's checking our social media accounts, whether it's watching some TV show and doing so episode after episode with the, the different streaming different ways of streaming that are available to us. This includes spending our time playing video games. Controlling some character in a make-believe world. And this temptation will only grow with the, the advent of virtual reality and the, the project to build this metaverse in which you can get totally immersed. You can lose yourself in this alternate world. There's a temptation, a danger for us that we waste our time. And it's such a great temptation because we're pretty good at justifying it. We say to ourselves, well, there's nothing inherently wrong with a social media account. It's not sinful to watch this documentary. And after all, I need to relax. I need some time of recreation. I need some downtime. I can't be working, active, engaged at all times. And while there may be some truth to those things, that's not the question. The question is, are we using our time the best way possible? 
Are we making the most of our time? Because that's the calling that comes to us. Redeem the time. Make the best possible use of it for the glory of our God. And that means we must be deliberate, intentional with how we spend our time so that even if, so that if we do allow ourselves time in front of the screen, we're, we're setting limits. We're putting certain restrictions in place to keep the amount of time that we spend on those things in check. And if we're unable to do that, then, then it does become necessary to put it away entirely. Whether that's blocking a specific website because I'm so prone to spending hour after hour after hour upon that website. Whether it's getting rid of the gaming council because it's too much of a temptation. If I turn it on, I squander too much time. The calling that comes to us is that we are to redeem the time. By not wasting it with the entertainment of our day. That's the negative. Now there's also the positive. Because the text does not read, do not waste your time. That's clearly and obviously implied. That is a legitimate application to make. But the text itself is put in a positive form. Redeem the time. Make the the best possible use of your time. Use it to the glory of our God. And and it's that positive calling we want to look at in this second half of the second point. This applies to the work, whatever that may be, that God gives to each one of us. For God has given to each one of us a station and a calling. There are blocks of time, chunks of time, periods of time that really we're required to devote to something. And now the calling still applies even to that. Redeem that time. So that when as fathers and husbands we go to work, we know we have to work so many hours, the calling is, Use that time well. Scripture says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. That means even in the workplace. So that I'm seeking the advantage, the the promotion of my employer or of my business customers. And use the time well. Children, this applies to you with your schoolwork. There's a set period of time, Monday through Friday, from 8.10 or 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. in which you're going to be at school. And your parents are rightly going to make you be there. And rather than saying, well, I just have to get through the day, redeem the time means I'm going to use that time as to do my schoolwork to the best of my ability. I'm going to make the most of that time. That's part of the positive calling of the text. This also has application with what we might call our spare time or our downtime. Because not only are those blocks of each day that are devoted to some work or some calling, there's the, the time in between those blocks. There's the, the downtime, whether it's 15 minutes here, whether it's an hour there, or just five minutes between two different things. This passage says redeem that time too. 
make the most of it. So that if part of your day is spending time on the road, commuting to and from work, redeem that time. Use it as best as possible. And perhaps that means listening to a sermon. Perhaps it means putting on some God-glorifying music that's going to be used to to stir up within your soul an attitude of worship toward God. Redeem the time. It means in those small periods of times, rather than pulling out the phone or pulling up some the social media stream, maybe instead we pull out a 3 by 5 note card with a Bible verse on it. And we seek to commit that verse to memory. Maybe it means pulling up a good book. One that serves our spiritual edification and using that 30 minutes to read for our spiritual growth. Redeem the time. So there's application to whatever calling we have in life. The work that God gives to us. There's application to the the downtime, the spare time that we have. Now I also want to make application to different seasons of life. That is, look at things more broadly. Not just minutes and hours, but years of time. And the different calling that God gives to each of us. Redeem whatever phase of life you're in. And there are three of them that are worth making explicit mention of. Redeem the time applies to all those who are single. Who are unmarried. Because God has instruction for us as those who are single. That instruction is found especially in 1 Corinthians 7 where the Spirit teaches us that the single life is good. And the reason it's good is because that those who are single have more time to devote themselves to things that belong to the Lord. That's the instruction of 1 Corinthians 7, verses 32-33. through But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord how he may please the Lord, but he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. And now it's not talking in absolute terms, but relative terms. And it's saying those who are unmarried, those who are single, have fewer earthly cares. That is, they have more time to devote to the things that belong to God. And the question becomes, are we using the single life in this season of time in the best possible way? Or is our mentality, well, being single means I have time for me. The single life is the period of time in which I can live it up can pursue fun and leisure. That's what the single life is all about, isn't it? And the teaching of Scripture is no. 
Redeem the time. Use your time as a single young person or as a single young adult in the best possible way. Use it to study God's Word. To have uninterrupted devotions. To spend great periods of time in the Word or reading some good literature. Use it to serve in the church. So that when sign-up sheets are set out and there's a committee that's going to require even more work than the others, the single child of God says, I'm going to put my name down there because I have more time than so many others. Redeem the time. Redeem the time by perhaps preparing yourself for marriage. If it's the Lord's will that you do marry someday, use this period of time to, to grow from a spiritual point of view so that if God does give you a spouse, you're, you're ready for the married life. Redeem the time as single young people and single young adults. This applies to parents as well. And that's the second specific year. As parents, God gives to us a calling to teach to instruct our children to raise them in the fear and admonition of His name. That's what's coming for us in Ephesians 6, verse 4. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that involves spending time with our children. That means being involved in their lives. So are we using our time well as parents? Or is it the case that as fathers, when we come home after a long day from work, we practically push aside the children who come running to us, wanting some of our time, and we say, just leave me alone. I just need to relax for a little bit. How does it go at the dinner table? That time every day that we have to talk with our children about the day, to read the Word together, to pray together, to sing together. Is that time getting truncated? Is it being shortened week after week, month after month, so that it's, there's hardly anything left of it? Redeem the time. Make the most of it. Because the time is short. Now this will not carry the same weight from me as it would from an older man, but I can assure you the period of time that we have with our children from the time that they're born until the time that they leave the house is so short. Ask any parents in this congregation who have seen their children leave the house, whether it's through marriage or whether it's just on account of moving out, and they will tell you it went by so quickly. We only have roughly 20 years to teach them, to instruct them. And so Scripture says, redeem the time. Redeem the time even as Amram and Jochebed did. You remember Amram and Jochebed? 
The parents of Moses who had to give their son over to Pharaoh's daughter. They had only a couple years to instill within the heart of their young child a love for God and a fear for Jehovah. And I can assure you, by God's grace, they redeemed the time. They made every hour count. And as parents, we are to do the same. So we're to make the most of different seasons of life, whether it's the season that's called being single, whether it's the season of being a parent, or whether it's the season that we would call the time of trial and affliction. Because there are such times God sends us days of adversity for a reason. To grow us. Scripture tells us, Scripture likens the trials and afflictions that come upon us to being subjected to a fiery furnace. And the whole purpose then is that we might be purified. That the, the sin, the dross might be burned away. Scripture tells us that God is a faithful husbandman who, who prunes us that we might bring forth more fruit. And the question is, when God sends those adversities, do we view them as opportunities to grow or do we just become angry at our God because life did not go according to plan? Is it the case that instead of turning to Him, we instead turn to the pleasures of sin in the midst of the hardships? If that's the case, we're we're wasting an opportunity, an occasion to grow. God says, redeem the time. And that applies to the trials that we face so that there's a certain stewardship, even of the afflictions that God gives to us. We're to view them as opportunities to grow in our Faith and in our trust in our God. Redeem the time. That's the calling. But where on earth are we to find the strength to do this? Because the reality is that of ourselves, we are sinners. I trust that there is not one person in this entire congregation who is able to say at this point in the sermon, yeah, I always make the most of my time. Not one of us is thinking that. But instead, we're humbly recognizing I have squandered, wasted, misused so much time. And what that shows us is that we need Christ. And the salvation that's found in Him because there's forgiveness for our failure and strength to heed this Word only in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Unless we look to Him as the only One who always redeemed the time who always made 
the best use of time and used every moment of every day for the glory and the honor of His God. And we see that when we look at His life. We see that as when He was but a child. Now He had an opportunity when He went to Jerusalem and He used the opportunity so that He went to the temple and was sitting there with the the educated men seeking to grow in His understanding. He redeemed that time. Redeemed the time during His earthly ministry. And that comes out in all of the Gospel accounts, but especially in the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, there's a a phrase that gets repeated again and again and again. It's the phrase, and immediately. It's not always translated that way, but it often is. So that if you read the book of Mark, you find, and immediately. And the idea is, he did this, and then immediately after that, he, he did this. And then immediately thereafter, he was doing the next thing. And we see that Jesus Christ was redeeming the time. To use one example from the book of Mark, see how much is packed into a single day in his life. Mark 1, verses 21 and following. I'm going to read a number of verses, so if you want to follow along, you don't have to, but I'm going to read from Mark 1, verse 21 and see just how much is packed into a single day in the life of Jesus Christ. Mark 1, verse 21, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, He entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at His doctrine, for He taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. So He's teaching in the temple. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with Thee, Thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art Thou come to destroy us? I know Thee who Thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed inasmuch as they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits and they do obey Him. And immediately His fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, that is, and immediately when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. And at evening... When the sun did set, they they brought unto Him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And He healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew Him. He's going to the temple. He's preaching God's Word. He's performing miracles at the temple. He's going to someone's house and then more people come. He's using the whole of the day. And what do we read in the very next verse about the next morning? Does he sleep in? Say, it's me time now? No. Verse 35, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. He always made the most of his time. He used it well. He was diligent. He was careful. He was wise in his use of time. 
So that every opportunity he had, he was doing something fruitful, something productive. So that even when he's walking on the dusty roads of Palestine with his disciples, what is he doing? He's instructing them. He's guiding them. He's telling them how to, to serve in the kingdom of heaven. What does he do when the Pharisees come to him with a tempting question trying to derail him? He takes that as an opportunity, as an occasion to to expose their religious formalism and to to teach God's people some principle. What is he doing with the last time he has the last hours he has with his disciples? He's instituting the Lord's Supper. He's preparing them for what's going to happen. He's making promises to them. And even on the cross. He's using every opportunity. He's making the most of every moment. So that even as He hangs there, He's praying for the very people who crucified Him. And we see this especially during those three hours between noon and three, in which all was dark. In the history of the world, has there ever been three hours that were better used? Has there ever been three hours in which more was accomplished Consider what He did in just three hours. He took every one of your sins, child of God, and paid the debt for them. And remember what that debt is. Eternal death. Each single sin deserving eternal death. And He takes all of the sins of all of His people, and He bears the infinite debt for every last one of them in the space of three hours. He redeemed the time in that in those three hours He was accomplishing our salvation. He was redeeming us from our sin, from our misery. So that there's salvation for us. So that our sins might be forgiven. Our sins of misusing, wasting, squandering our time. He took that debt too. And He paid for it. He paid it all by His suffering and His death at Calvary. And not only that, He now gives us His own righteousness, His own obedience. And imputes it to us that we might be righteous. You see, His his perfect use of time is so much more than an example for us. But His perfect use of time is the, the ground of our justification. It's the basis for God to say to us that we are right with Him. And now it's knowing that we have this salvation in Jesus Christ. 
and the gratitude that comes with that. That that becomes the motivation to now redeem the time. Knowing all that God has done for me by faith makes me now want to do all that I can for Him to take every moment of every day and press it into the service of my Savior. To use it all well to the glory and to the honor of our God. So it's by looking to the cross that we're given the motivation, the desire to redeem the time. And we're also given the strength For Christ sends His Spirit to live and dwell within us. To sanctify us by, the, by His power and His grace. And it's by the work of the Spirit within us that we are now empowered to live according to this Word. So may He so work in us tonight by His Spirit and by means of this Word So that in response to this glorious Gospel, we too redeem the time. Amen. Father in Heaven, we thank Thee for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Fill our hearts with gratitude and work in us by Thy Spirit. Enable us to walk circumspectly, to walk wisely, and to redeem the time that Thou hast given to us. Make us good stewards of it. And to use our time well for the glory of Thy name. Hear this prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.